Hey, hello, hi, welcome to and are back to the Equitheory podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese. And on this week's episode, we are going to be discussing all things social media as an equestrian. It's an it's an, a niche avenue. Ele- it's just a niche on social media to be an equestrian, but it's also a very big one and a very diverse one. And it's changed a lot. So I kind of want to just go into what it used to be to what it is now, how I was successful on it, and then how things have changed into 2022, which is the year that it is currently. And so let's just get into it. Okay, before we jump into the actual content of this episode, I do actually have an ad to present to you all, you lovely people. So there's not a video version. So if you are listening to this on YouTube, I apologize. So we're going to roll that now. Farm and Fur Co. is a logo, brand, and web design agency that specializes in equestrian entrepreneurs. They were incredible to work with in designing the new branding for Equitheory. I mean, they did the logo, the color palette, my fonts, and so much more. They helped me get super clear on my mission and feel a lot more sure of like what I'm doing and why, because I don't know if you guys have noticed, I'm a little bit all over the place. But beyond the ways they helped me, they offer so much more than that. They offer web design services. I mean, like, the whole thing. So they're ready to do even more for you guys as they've recently launched their digital shop on farmandfurco.com with educational and design resources for equestrian entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to unbridle the creative potential for your business, visit farmandfurco.com to get started or check out the links below in the show notes. I'll have all their information there. So massive thank you to Farm and Fur Co. for sponsoring this podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alrighty, friends and family folk. I hope that you enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I have some some things I want to talk about at the top of the show here. It is going to be a little bit difficult because the ADHD is just rampant today. I already spent 10 minutes doing this intro once and have restarted like 17 times, but made it a full 10 minutes and was like, you are all over the place. Slow down. What do you need to say? <laughs> so I formally apologize. I don't think I can keep starting, stopping this all day. Um, but I do have a couple things that I want to talk about at the top of the show that I need your opinion on. Okay. So um, first things first, I have I have a bone to pick with like four of you that are gatekeeping acne. You can see the texture, the shine, the grease, the horns that are growing. Um, 
my my foundation is quite full coverage. It hides all of the scars. But uh, imagine that I have perhaps like fallen out of a vehicle and skint my face, the whole thing. That's what it looks like when I don't have makeup on. There are red marks just everywhere. And I, I realize that my makeup is very convincing and thank God for that. But it is really not good. And I would insert a picture if I didn't care a little bit about my self-esteem and ego because it would make me sad. Uh, when my skin is better, then I might. <laughs> but, but as it is right now, that's just a little too vulnerable for me, uh, which is, I, I will tell you anything about my life. I mean, in one of the last episodes, we talked about um, how hormonal birth control was ruining just all of the things, and that's why I have this acne, and my gut is jacked up. Like, so much personal information but for some reason my face is a sore spot for me and that's okay we're working on it self-love is coming okay um anyway moving right along regarding those of you who are currently able to see my face on youtube i ask thee do you actually watch these videos or would you prefer to just have audio content because um it is is a lot of effort and here's the thing i would love to do the video portion and I can keep doing it if it's something that you guys are really interested in seeing me talk because I I know how much I enjoy listening to podcasts and just having the video on like on my phone next to me while I'm working on whatever and for some reason it feels different to just have a podcast on to me like I want to be able to look over and like see them talking every now and again so if you're like that I need you to let me know okay um and how you can do that is I will be linking a survey in the description of this video. And if you're an audio only listener, it will also be in the show notes. Um, uh, a survey asking like, you know, when you listen, what other podcasts you listen to, what you want to hear about on the show. And so it's a, it's a good opportunity for you to tell me what you want me to talk about and um, just share some of your preferences with me so I can kind of adapt the show to uh, what you guys like. And also, it asks if you actually listen to or watch the visual portion of it or if you're audio only. So I really need to know. Uh, audio only listeners, please don't be the silent majority. I actually, I need the input of all, all of the listeners, okay? Um, so, I mean, I can see the view difference um, across platforms, but since YouTube and my other platforms are separate, it, um, it doesn't like factor that in the percentage and I can't do math. So um, if, if you would be so kind to take five minutes out of your day and answer that survey, that would help me out a lot. But uh, so there's that element. And also just doing the video is so hard because my internet is so abysmal. Like I'm having to drive like 30 minutes to an hour to upload it at somebody else's house with their better Wi-Fi. Um, or I'm using a hotspot that I have until August and then I have to return it. So I don't, it's like <laughs> my internet situation is just very bad. They have, uh, put up the fiber optic cable. I don't know why they ran it instead of putting it in the ground. So don't come at me if, if that's, if you're like an electrician, um, they put it on the telephone poles. I saw them, but, uh, so they said that they're going to turn that on in December, but I'm not holding my breath. And I'm also not holding my breath that it's going to be like quality. Um, but yeah, so uh, there was a, a prior survey that I had for you guys. And a lot of them suggested having more guests on. And um, a lot of the respondents, I mean, 
See what I mean? <laughs> Just not making sentences happen. Uh, anyway, so with with that, <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, okay, having guessed. So uh, the issue is it's it's very difficult with like Zoom and syncing up and not having a delay. And it makes the conversations really hard to have when there is a delay and I'm glitching or cutting out, like trying to do any of my classes for my grad program was just, I couldn't hear half the time and had to switch to my phone's hotspot when I had to talk. And it's just, and the live streams I do with Schleza, I, I use my, my phone's hotspot and um, like kill my internet for the month. So it's, it's a bit of a, a process. Like everything is about four times harder than it needs to be. And there's not a whole lot of storage on my laptop. So I had to buy an SSD to like edit on and then upload from. And uploading takes 95 years. Like I seriously will start uploading at like 6 p.m. And at 8 a.m. it'll be like 80% uploaded. It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so the the audio files upload in under five minutes, if that so, I mean, they're very quick. It's it's much easier for me to do that. And um, I also feel like I would be a little bit more inclined to do them, maybe, if I don't have to do a full face of makeup. Um, that is the, the unprivilege that I have allowed society to put on me, that I feel like I have to have makeup on to show my face. Uh, we got the caterpillar eyebrows and spider eyelashes and all, all the wonderful things that I have been told by godfather youtube but um yeah so that survey will be in the description it would really help me out if you would let me know um and like i said guests i have a lot of ideas and a lot of people i want to ask on but i don't want to have an incident where i'm like i can't communicate with them or i have to ask them to do a bunch of hoop jumping through and uh you know, I my can't kill my phone hotspot. So it's like just when it's a little bit easier for me to to have internet access, then I am planning on doing that. Um, also, one of the things that you guys informed me about on that survey, the previous one, not the this new one, was uh, the amount of rambling. And I want to apologize um, for that because I know it's annoying, and I say um and ah uh, constantly. But this is a podcast where I am the only one talking. So sometimes there is a little bit of delay between I've thought of something to say and now I'm having to think. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of a delay between brain and mouth because I don't have anybody else to fill the space. So apologies. And also with the rambling, it's like I got, I got the ADHD. And it's unfortunate because, yes, I am medicated for ADHD. However, it doesn't make you not have ADHD. It just makes you hyper-focus uh, some, for some people. And it, it ramps you down a little bit. Um, but the problem is it kind of just turns me into like a, oh my God, I'm thinking about this thing really, really hard now instead of just kind of ping-ponging. Like you can hear my old episodes before I got on uh, ADHD medicine and it it's very all over the place, but I, I don't think I lean as hard into a topic, but I do make three-hour episodes explaining <laughs> multiple different facets of training. So I just like to talk, and I go on tangents, and if it's not your style of podcast, there are plenty of others that are much more organized. Um, as much as I, I feel like in the baby stages of a podcast, I need that viewer retention, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. I ramble. It's a fact of my life at the moment. Um, 
But yeah, okay, so last thing here, trying to keep this this element segment under 10 minutes um, and failing because it is 10 minutes. But you know what? That's not counting the intro and ad and all of that. But um, I, I have spent, speaking of hyper-focusing, the past uh, two, two, three days, uh, probably spent three full days uh, working on getting the podcast up on jetequithery.com. I don't know if anybody would ever listen to podcasts on a website. I don't know a single person that would. Um, that's around my age. I think most of us use Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts, something like that. But it is there. So if you are ever without your mobile device and for whatever reason your laptop doesn't have those apps, then you can go to equitheory.com. It's also jetequitheory.com. I have two domains. I'm trying to switch everything over to Equitheory. It's whatever. Um, but you can go there and hit podcast, and they're all there, meticulously added. All the captions are there. All the links are updated. Everything is up to date. It's all there, all in one place. So in the future, you know, if I mention something like a picture that I want to show, if it's not a, a, an audio visual podcast, then I can put the pictures there so you guys can see them and, you know, uh, like a little excerpt and things and other links and videos and stuff that I wouldn't otherwise be able to put in a caption outside just a link. So, um, oh, Zuka pushed my share. Um, so that's there. And uh, the last thing that I did today was I set up an email campaign. I'm doing that now. We're girl bossing so hard. <laughs> so you can, uh, this episode is about social media. So if you wanted that, there, here it is. Uh, so you can go to equitheory.com and scroll all the way down to the homepage, to the bottom of the homepage, and there's a little sign up for Equitheory newsletter, enter your name and email, and you will be notified. If I remember, uh, every, every time I upload an episode or, uh, drop an occasional blog post, or if I've updated like a topic section that you might want to check out, um, or if I have like a, an exciting announcement, like a, a clinic or something like that, um, just to stay in the loop. I don't know. Uh, I promise I won't clog your inbox because I can barely remember to answer current emails I have, let alone send them. So, you know, yeah, maybe you get what you pay for. <laughs> so uh, with that said, I think now we can get into the actual content, uh, which is that of social media as an equestrian. So, um, it's it is an interesting landscape because there there's just a lot going on all the time it depends on what side of the internet you're on i know that on like instagram my feed is predominantly english writers and now it's a bunch of uh positive reinforcement trainers so uh like maybe 20 percent of my feed is people actually on horses and most of the other posts are about um, you know, working with your horse on the ground or, uh, an element of welfare management, care, training, uh, educational type beat. And sometimes I, I get tired of it. And like right now I'm kind of on a hiatus from Instagram. I don't know if anyone has noticed, but it's also, I have a little bit of, um, positive or negative punishment, if you will, when I post lately. I lose like 20 followers every time I post. So I, if I post all week, I lose over 100 followers <laughs> in a week. So uh, I'm being punished for following because what is negative punishment? It is the removal of an appetitive in order to decrease behavior. 
my behavior is posting uh, and I'm my followers are being removed, which are repetitive to me. Um, appetitive, not repetitive, just so you know. If you've never heard that word before, I hadn't <laughs> when, I, when I started training. Um, and uh, they're, they're being removed as a result of me posting, and now I'm posting less. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's, they're training me well, the internet and their cohorts. But um, I, why? Why? They haven't been around me all day, and now I have a cat on my desk and a cat in my lap. So I just, you're going to screw up my cords. It's going to be a problem. But I have found the best way is not to resist, is just to live with them in harmony. But anyway, uh, so social media, it's, it's an interesting place. Because to, to take it all the way back, when I first started on Instagram, I, I, I don't know if I talked about this the last time I talked about social media, but um, it's, it's embarrassing that the whole reason that I started my first horse Instagram, my first equestrian Instagram, um, I don't, do people call it their equestrian account? I always heard people say horse account. That's what mine is. Um, and it sounds goofy. But yeah, so I started my very first one because there was this girl, I want to say her name was Brit, Bridget, I think it was Brit. I forget. Maybe it was Bridget. I don't, can't remember. Um, or maybe the horse's name was Brit. I, ha- I have a, I have better luck remembering horses' names than people's names. I can't remember, but I think, I think her username was Palomino Princess, and I am outing myself so hard right now. And if you are Palomino Princess, I still love you. And I don't know if you post anymore, but you are literally the reason that I started what I do. Um, <laughs> she, I, I followed her when I first got my Instagram account, Jill it's been my account since I was like 13 and um, I saw her posting about her horses and she had this Palomino mare and uh, her pictures were always like um, they were always really pretty because obviously she has a Palomino she literally has a Barbie horse it's perfect and she would just post about being an eventer and riding and stuff and um, for some reason, my arrogant little 13 year old brain looked at that, or maybe I was, yeah, I was 13 because I started in 2013, I think. Um, my arrogant little child brain went, I can do that better. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why I have always suffered from imposter syndrome. I don't know why I was so confident in this one regard. Um, because I always am like, no, I can't do that. So I, I mean, thank God, I guess, um, because it it got me here and it changed my life completely. But, um, and I'm not even that like far along. There's the imposter syndrome. (laughs) I just, I heard it. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, no tea, no shade. Love her account. I don't think she posts anymore, but, um, I am forever grateful to her and forever embarrassed at my ego as a child. And so, yeah, I started posting on my first account was called Jill underscore heartthrob with one T because that was, um, Bo's show name. Bo was the horse I had before. This is Jockey Club name, and they only spelled heartthrob with one T. So there you go. And Jill underscore heartthrob. As a child, nobody was like, "Hey, do do you think that people might think that you are the heartthrob?" <laughs> Just oblivious. And so yeah, that was my account. You can still find it. I got locked out because my somehow my email got swapped because this was back when you had to log out of Instagram in order to log into your other account. 
So I was constantly swapping accounts like, oh my God, that was annoying. And um, I'm so glad they added that feature like three years ago, but or four, five, I, how long has it been? Time isn't real. Uh, so anyway, w- with that, I was just constantly doing all of these like, uh, for all intents and purposes, genius marketing at the beginning. I mean, we were a bunch of kids, all of us, like the, the, the biggest names at the time were all just like cloud chasers, like the original ones. And, um, you know, there were obviously like the big social media stars going on, but this was like our little niche equestrian community of, uh, like really talented equestrian media influencers, at least from my perspective anyway. And, um, they like, we all did shout out for shout out Sunday. And, uh, the way that I organized mine, cause I've always been a little bit neurotic. I had this app called juxtaposer and I would edit, like I would remove the background, uh, like a baby Photoshop of pictures of me riding and jumping or me with a horse and then edit it onto some background. Like I would type in Google, like blue wallpaper and like save it and then use that as the background and then put, uh, use an app called Fonto, P-H-O-N-T-O and write like, uh, seven K plus, you know, I'll post just your account and, uh, five to two K I'll post you in a grid of two and then so on and so forth, like a grid of three, a grid of four for lower follower accounts. And it blew my accounts up because I mean, I'm sharing other people's stuff and it was a little bit of highway robbery because nobody was like following those people. And when those little accounts just posted me, it just blew me up. Um, so I apologize for being like the biggest MLM <laughs> in the beginning. Uh, I, I just, when I was a kid, I was like, this is genius. Everyone will shout me out. You know, you don't have a ton of like solidified ethics and morals when you're a child. Um, but that, that's how it happened. So I would do those, we would do photo contests. Um, and then the day that I hit 7k, I got locked out of my account and my email was connected to another one of my accounts. So when I would try to recover it, it would send an email for the other account and I couldn't, couldn't get it back. And then when I would type in the username, it would say it's sent to this email. And I was like, every time I email that, that one, it's, it says it's for another account. So some, somewhere it got messed up. So that account was lost to the void. And then I started Jill and Bo, B-E-A-U. Uh, you will not find that account because it is now called Jet Equithery. It went through a couple, couple iterations, um, Jill and Bo to Jet Eventing and then Jet Equithery. And now that is where we're at. And I just started posting like a bunch about um, me and my horses and uh, like going through my old posts. I've been doing it a lot lately because I needed to find like specific pictures for some reason and um, would go all the way back to the back of my account. And a lot of my captions, I'm just like, I can't believe that they were so unstructured and just careless and just genuine whatever what I'm doing and like uh, uh, had little to nothing to do with the photo. And now I'm so like controlling and like specific and particular about the way that I make a post. And like, I always try to acknowledge the picture because it really bothers me when people post and they don't acknowledge the picture for some reason. I'm like, I need context. Hello. I don't know why. But um, so I always try to do that. And then uh, like something interesting and it always ends up being like four paragraphs long, which is likely due to Adderall, to be honest. Uh, 
but I've always been verbose. It just makes me hyper-focus on it. That said, I haven't posted, I just checked, uh, and today is January, or January, June 19th, and uh, the last time I posted was June 8th, so it, mm, (laughs) I haven't posted in a hot minute. In my defense, I did go on a vacation for a week, but um, I, I just haven't felt like posting. I don't have any pictures, and I am kind of over like stressing myself out to go get photos and when every time I post I'm losing followers I'm like eh. so um you know at at present I would really like to get back to having that like blog style account and um you know it's cliche as hell but like I I sincerely wish that I could just remove that element of caring about losing all of my followers because uh, my account was at 89k at one point and now it's at like I think 82.8 and I don't know why it's dropping so hard well I do it, I switched to positive reinforcement but um it's like still steadily dropping and you know I used to post more exciting content I used to post um pictures and videos of me jumping and lessening every week and showing like every other weekend uh going to clinics and doing videos of clinics and riding and like traditional stuff. And so like just pictures of my horses in the field aren't as interesting. So, you know, it is nice that the people that have stuck around are the people that like still care about like me and the horses and like actually want to know what's going on and not just like see cool pictures of, I mean, I still think some of my pictures are cool. Like, okay. But like (laughs) as far as being action oriented, not so much anymore. I, I swear I used to always joke that if you wanted to have over 100,000 followers, all you needed to do was train your horse how to rear, and you would automatically have over 100,000 followers. I don't think that's the case anymore. I see a lot of accounts that do a lot of trick training that aren't super popular, but um, and a lot of them have, like, kick-ass photography, and they still, like, I don't know why they haven't blown up. It's It's really weird now. So, like I was saying back then, it was, like, have high quality photos, have, uh, edit them in your specific style. That's unique that people aren't going to get anywhere else. Um, be authentic and personable and, uh, do shout out for shout out Sunday and, uh, photo contest. And then there was the era of giveaways. Oh my God. Oh my God. Giveaways. It's it's like the easiest way to get a ton of followers, but like, that they aren't even working for me anymore. So, I mean, they haven't for a while. So it's one of those things where I'm like, if I do a giveaway, then it's purely just to, to like give you guys something. Um, oh, which by the way, speaking of giving you guys something, um, uh, my merch has dropped. Finally, I don't have a whole lot of it up. And if there's something else that you guys are interested in, please let me know in the comments, but that is up. Uh, you can go to equitheory.com and hit the shop tab and it'll take you there. Or I might link it in the description if I remember. But yeah, so that's a thing. Anyway, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, social media is so different. Like I used to have a customizedgirl.com that was just like my merch and it was so god awful. And I made zero money from it. And uh, same same with Teespring pretty much or Spring now. Uh, you only make a very small percentage. So if, if anything, 
I like I tried my best to keep the prices lower and reasonable, but like if I'm only making a dollar, you're paying like twenty dollars to Teespring, and if your intention is to support me, then I I bumped it to where I am at least making like four dollars a product. Some of them I'm making more on, but um, it's it's so frustrating because I know Teespring is not getting and making those products at that that's it's marked up like four times, but it's fine. I don't know how to do it any other way. And uh, if you happen to own an apparel and or uh, something of the sort, hit me up. Let's work together. <laughs> but yeah, so there's that element. And now everything's about branding. And like, it's it's so hard to be an influencer. And like, this is, I, I swear, this is not me complaining like, oh, nobody follows me anymore. Nobody cares. Uh, honestly, 90% of it is that I haven't adjusted with the times. Like I'm, I like reels and I think they're fun. Um, or TikToks, you know, they're, they're the same thing, but it's, they're hard for me to make just because videos take me a long time to make in general. And, um, you know, it's hard to get the audio synced up and I don't know how many people or how people are cranking them out like crazy. I find it so difficult. It takes me multiple hours to make one. So it's just not something that I'm like super into. And I know that that's the best way to, to like market yourself because all of my reels have like over 10, 10 K views on Instagram, but, and then my posts are getting like 600 likes with over 80,000 followers. Insights are terrible, but, um, I mean, the impressions are higher, but whatever. So point being that you can, like, if if you are looking to grow your social media, I do think that Reels is the best way to go. Being relatable um, and having content that people will save and that people will share with other people. Those are, that's like the key to everything. It's engagement. And uh, if if you have content that a lot of people are engaging with and ask inviting other people to engage with, like sharing it or saving it for later um, that says it's really interesting content to the algorithm and then you blow up. But um, I just honestly am kind of to the point where I, I don't know. It's, it's been a weird ride because I started in 2013. So it's, it's been nine years, almost 10 years. That's nuts. Like I, I started this when I was 20 or when I was 13 and I was about to turn 14, but I'm 23 right now, about to turn um, 24. So uh, I guess, no, wait. Yeah, I did start when I was, that's crazy. That means I've actually been doing this for 10 years. Jeez. Oh my God. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, brief existential crisis. Uh, by the way, for those of you who have been following me for a long time, I'll repeat that. I'm going to be 24 in September, 24. And like, I know that a lot of people that still follow me have been following me since the beginning, since I was like 14 and 15. That's nuts. That's nuts. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. Existential crisis aside, we're on topic. Um, so th- those are the ways to do the social media thing. Um, one of my biggest advices is to have a website. So you're searchable and people can find all of your stuff in one place. Um, I, I love having a website. It's like my pride and joy. I know that because I have the analytics on that, like hardly anybody looks at it, but the people that do love it and share it. And they're, you, you know who you are that always share my links on Twitter. You're the best ever. 
um, because that's that's what it's there for. I organize a bunch of different pages of a bunch of different categories to make it easier for people to find information about positive reinforcement and training. And also, I'm, I'm watching myself right now, and if you can tell that I'm moving the corner of my mouth weird, I have a canker sore, so it hurts, and I'm trying to, like, keep it off of my tooth while I'm talking. Um, but heck yeah, dude, have a website. Um, it, it can it can get pricey. I think, like, Wix and, um, what's the other one? WordPress uh, have free options. I don't know if Squarespace does. But Squarespace is the one that I use, and uh, I I love it and I hate it. Um, there there are more expensive, uh, arguably better options, but some of them are just too time consuming, and I am far too perfectionistic to have that much control over my website. So I like that Squarespace is a little bit like puts you in a box and is like do it this way, okay? So um, you can customize things, but it for the most part it's like we have our layouts work within them. But yeah, so I appreciate that about it. And like I said, all of the podcast episodes are up there now. So just shameless plug again. Uh, yeah, so having a website is helpful, uh, especially if you're like trying to get into training or um, consulting work. Uh, I would really recommend waiting until that you are like set with that. Um, don't just like make a website and be like, I'm a trainer, obviously. But uh, which is what it constantly feels like I've done. And uh, at present, I'm not taking uh, training clients because I am working on a um, time-consuming project in the background. So I, I'm like, nope. And until my internet's better, I just I can't do the Zoom thing. It's so frustrating. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, what is also very helpful with, um, like I was saying about doing reels is being relatable. There's that element of it. There's also the being funny, entertaining element. And then there is the educational element. And 90% of my Instagram feed is following people that are, uh, teaching me something or are really knowledgeable in one area. And I like what they do and I want to learn from them. And yeah, so, um, if you can offer people, you know, uh, three steps to this, or did you know what this word means? Or did you know that this scientific fact, things like that. Um, and that's probably what I should be doing. And with the jet Equitheory account, I'm, I'm so like kind of in limbo, I guess, because I, I know that my, my like focus and my passion and like what I want to be doing is a podcast at all times. And I want to be like doing things to promote it. And then it just, it feels redundant to have another account a little bit, especially since I'm not, you know, 15 years old in high school with an abundance of time all the time. So I'm like, how can I streamline this better? And part of me wants to throw the, the Equitheory stuff on the Jet Equitheory Instagram. But then I'm like, Ooh, you're worried about losing followers now. That would really do it. Um, but then a lot of the educational content type thing that I want to do on and with Equitheory, like, you know, if I talked about, um, you know, for instance, the dominance theory episodes, I could do a post defining dominance theory and being like, this is what it is. It's related to the content this week, you know? And so it's just like, it feels a little disunited and I haven't quite figured out how to unite that. And I might someday and I might not, I don't know. But uh, if you have any suggestions, hit me up. 
But yeah, so I'm going to quickly see if I can check the Instagram here because I asked you guys um, kind of just an open forum on what what your thoughts are. Uh, my exact phrasing was uh, ask questions, share opinions, thoughts, ideas, criticism, etc. on social media as an equestrian. Just an open like, what do you like about it? What do you not? What do you want to know? Um, what What's it like to be one? Like, what are your thoughts on it? I just want to know what you guys think because it's it's a really interesting community uh mostly just because everyone is an armchair expert myself included uh to some degree and was in the past for sure oh my god everybody has an opinion on your horse their welfare how you treat them um your riding your equitation the ethics of what you do the how well you do it and things like everything is just under scrutiny all the time. So it contributes to a culture that is pervasive across Instagram as a whole. But um, mostly just in the equestrian world, it's like you better be on point all the time. If your equitation is bad, if your horse is dirty, if you know, the framing of your picture is not good, if you knock a pole, it, like, whatever, it's just you get criticized instantly. And lately, it's I've noticed, at least in, in my neck of the woods, that everything is a lot more positive now, but also that n hardly anybody is sharing, like, fails. There are only really a couple people that I think are, like, showing the real aspects of what they're doing and are just kind of unapologetically themselves as an equestrian are not, like, trying to teach you something or trying to, like, show just how perfect their lives are all the time. Um, and I get over accounts like that because once, once an account starts... Like, don't get me wrong, I follow several brand accounts or, like, equestrian fashion accounts, um, but, like, when somebody's account starts looking like that, I am, like, I'm out. When it's just, like, photo of human and horse and caption is heart, I'm, like, okay, I don't care anymore. I need, uh, who are you? I followed you for you. What are, what are you doing? And so that's why I try to keep my account that way, and I constantly flip-flop back and forth between, um editing and not editing because I do enjoy how it looks to have edited photos but at the same time I hate editing like 90% of the reason I haven't posted in over 10 days is because I don't want to edit the pictures that I have to edit um, and also I, I I think I have a reel up about how I edit my pictures but um, a lot of people always ask me I use Lightroom and Afterlight 2 iPhone apps I don't edit on my computer I'm not a pro Sorry, I had to take a drink. Oh, mouth is very dry. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I do think that it's more eye-catching and people tend to think it's more like professional if your pictures are edited or at least taken with like a DSLR camera as opposed to an iPhone, even though they're they're better these days. But um, like a lot of the things I want to post are screenshots from videos because I don't have anybody to take pictures of me anymore. So I'm like can I just post raw pictures? But then if I get a really good one, I know I'm going to want to edit it. So I'm like, I got to edit everything. But then some don't edit at all. Like they just refuse to edit well. And there you go. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm going to look through some of these, some of these comments that you guys left on my story post. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, Emma underscore K underscore twin. You are would make a fantastic lawyer, my dear. Um, they ask, what do you like and what do you dislike about it? Um, okay, well, 
not that I haven't rambled about it. Sorry for the ramblers, the ones that don't like me rambling. I apologize. I, I just can't help it. Um, I mean, like, honestly, would you like this podcast if it was scripted? I tried to script the first couple of episodes, and I cannot simultaneously talk and look at a script without another person to fill the silence. It doesn't work um, for me. Anyway, what do I dislike about it? Um, yeah, I don't know, because I uh, Instagram obviously isn't the only... My phone case is super dirty. Um, okay, focus, Jill. Instagram isn't the only social media app. Obviously, there's also TikTok. And the reason I haven't talked about it that much in this episode is because, um, yes, you can get big on TikTok, but TikTok isn't... I don't know. I mean, it is to some degree, but it's not really geared towards like developing a follower base. Um, it can help you develop a follower base on Instagram, uh, making conversions. But um, since your feed on TikTok is mostly the for you page, like I follow a bunch of people on TikTok and I never watch their TikToks. <laughs> like at once a month, maybe I'll look at um, people's like, or my friends list. Um, or people I'm following. But for the most part, I just watch my For You page. And I'm like, I want to be entertained. If I want to know what my people are up to, I'll go to Instagram. Uh, because they've also posted it in a real form, you know? So it's, I don't know. For me, it, it doesn't super, like, I, I also uh, tried to avoid horse TikTok for a really long time. I'm on it a little bit right now. But, um, you know, the For You page gods are constantly changing. And I do be clear in my cache sometimes. But uh, the horse TikTok is mostly either people abusing horses and calling it training or people um, attacking other people. Like 90% of the TikToks that I see on uh, like equestrian things are like, hot take this. Um, it's not, it's wrong to do this or this person's doing this wrong in this video. And I'm just like, I don't care. Um, it's annoying, frankly. And, uh, I go to TikTok for videos of like 90% of my for you page. I am the biggest boomer is cat videos. They rock. They're so funny. Oh my God. And ADHD content. (laughs) Um, I am on ADHD talk as ashamed as I am to admit it. Um, I don't really know what else is on my for you page. Uh, mostly a bunch of like DIY artsy stuff. Um, home improvement. I'm really big into that. Like I have aged for real. Um, but you know, there's the occasional horse video and it's just people being like, you're most saddle pads are wrong or eventers are bad for this reason or dressage riders suck for this reason. Or, you know, it's just like, Oh my God, I don't care. (laughs) And you know, other people might be different. I'm just, the drama annoys me. And like a lot of the relatable content, I'm like, I know, (laughs) like, I don't (laughs) like, yes. Uh, I don't know. Wearing breeches in the summer sucks because you can't physically take them off. They get stuck to your body. That is a fact of life. Like, I don't know. It's, it's just not for me. So, um, that's one element of, I guess, that side of TikTok. But um, for Instagram and, I mean, Facebook is kind of a cesspool in the horse world. In, even the the really good groups are annoying. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I feel like I'm just like trashing the whole thing, but this I'm still on dislike. So um, with Facebook, uh, if, especially if you've ever been in a Facebook group, 
it's just you can't ask a question. You just can't without being obliterated in the comments. And so whenever I like um, will tell people to uh, like refer people to the hoof groups on Facebook, I'm like, be warned. Um, there will be some that might crucify you for asking a question. So do try to be try to include all of your information. Um, a lot of them will be very nice and actually answer your question and be super kind. But then there will be others that will just annihilate you. Be prepared for that. Um, that. I think that just goes for every Facebook group, OTTV Connect being one of the worst. Uh, it, it offers some great things sometimes and some not so great things. I try not to read in that group. I just look at ponies. That's it. Um, and Instagram is Instagram is is good. It's just it feels a little bit like posed now. It used to be very authentic, like and not, but I mean it, it felt more uh, I guess whimsical, like it had a childish charm to it where it was like, we were all just fascinated and in love with horses and just living our best lives and having the spirit dream. Um, at least that's, that's what I saw when I was on it. Uh, you know, I know that wasn't everyone's experience, but, uh, it just, it felt very nostalgic-y childhood vibe. And now it's very like, you better be a professional and know what you're talking about or else. And I don't really see a whole lot of like kids coming up anymore. Like, I, I don't know if I'm just like not following them. So if, like, I, I mean, there, there might be some, but like the ones that were big back in the day were 14 to 16, maybe we like children. And now it's, it's predominantly adults, which, which has its benefits because a lot of them are educational accounts. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There could be some big ones and I might just not be on that side. Um, and then lastly is TikTok, horse TikTok. Uh, I think I've had the good fortune of being on just like the non-dramatic side of it. I have gotten into a few Twitter battles uh, in my day, but for the most part, I seem to thoroughly and effectively avoid the chaos. And I always see people subtweeting uh, about other riders or equestrians and or welfare or have clearly like seen something and they're subtweeting about it and I just am oblivious I don't see it and also I, I I'm usually a, a lurker on Twitter uh or I forget that I have the app for three months and then I remember and I'm like oh my god and then I just I post incessantly on Twitter and then I forget about it again it's it's a lovely relationship we have but I, I do think horse Twitter is very fun. I am, I tend to turn to horse Twitter more for like recommendations and advice more than I do uh, like Facebook groups, just because most of the people that I'm mutuals with on Twitter or the people that come across my stuff are generally kind. Uh, some people are jerks, but uh, for the most part, I mean, like I don't really encounter the negative side of Twitter. However, I do no, and I'm very aware that it exists and it gets very toxic and very awful. But uh, for the most part, it has mostly transitioned to being based in science. So uh, that is the current shift. When uh, A couple of years ago, when I first was like really active on horse Twitter, it was very much like positive reinforcement is a joke. Let's make fun of that. It's garbage. Um, and please don't come for me, horse Twitter. I love you now. I am... A holy follower <laughs> but um it, it used to be very antagonistic towards 
science-based training and positive reinforcement. And don't get me wrong, I know it was annoying in the beginning, like when uh, my crowd first like started shifting and posting about it, it was very like shamey and annoying and uh, self-righteous. But um, now uh, Twitter has really shifted to like, you're not turning your horse out. You don't use positive reinforcement in some capacity. You beat your horse with brooms. <laughs> like it's it's very welfare oriented instead of like, I don't think anybody was ever defending beating horses with brooms, but there were at one point a lot of people that were happy with the, the cowboying approach. Like, yeah, show him who's boss, you know? So uh, TikTok is still very much in the dark ages on that one, but uh, hopefully it's it's changing. I don't know. I just, ugh, the yeehaw aspect of it. And I'm from Arkansas. I can say that. Um, as far as liking on all of those things, uh, I found a lot of great educational content on TikTok about horses. Some of it you do have to take with a grain of salt. And there are many people talking about saddle fit and, and tack that just don't need to be talking about saddle fit and tack and diet and nutrition. It's just, some of it is so painful, um, that I'm like, oh, why are you teaching people this? That's not, don't do that. That's bad. Stop, please. And I appreciate the, like, wanting to help other people and wanting to share your knowledge and what you've learned, but also please, please check that it's based in fact, because a lot of what I see on TikTok is, is, a little bit more complicated in that and a lot of times the content is too short this was I was trying to get on what I like but just for those of you watching if you do tend to be a more impressionable person um TikTok a lot of what equestrian TikTokers try to cover if they're teaching something um in a TikTok about horse care or maintenance or training or something and it's a uh, 30 10 to 30 second video please recognize that most topics concerning horses have lots of but and if then and well it depends attached to them and <laughs> it's usually far more nuanced than like half pads are bad or half pads are good so you know just grain of salt um but other than that like I found a really great video about nosebands on there um, that I've shared several times and need to share again, probably. And uh, yeah, there's just, there's good content, learning about products and stuff. But um, for Instagram, Instagram, I, I really like the, the connection aspect. Instagram has done so much for me. I mean, I like, the app is a tragic cesspool in a lot of regards, but in a lot of others, I'm very thankful for it and very happy with it um very good <laughs> uh but yeah I don't know it's just it's uh it's changed and uh it it could fully be that I just haven't kept up with it and I'm not changing with Instagram but I don't know back in the day uh god I'm such a man shakes fist at cloud but it it just it used to be like more of a blog like a community and now it's like shop on my online store and blah, blah, blah. and like I'm all for helping small businesses but that's not what Instagram does it uh, there are some that benefit from it but 90% of it is Amazon ads or bots and it's just garbage so I don't know it feels all very posed and it is being destroyed by capitalism as much as I hate to say it <laughs> it's 
it's just like how many products can we push? How can we convert every single person on this app into a either a marketing tool or a consumer? And I just kind of miss having the community. That's it. And um, there, there was a day that I wasn't sponsored by any brands. And I think now I'm only working with um, Mochara and Schleza. I'm going to get in trouble if I'm working with others. But, um, and the only reason I'm working with those two brands is because I genuinely love what they do. And like Mochara is all about recycling and, um, making sure that they do everything they can to be sustainable. And as their business grows, they're working on making more improvements because, you know, it's not very cost effective to be sustainable. So I really respect that about the brand and that, and also their products rock. I wear their leggings all the time. Like I'm not getting paid for this conversation, but I really do think that they're a good brand. They're, um, an inclusive brand. They, uh, have a lot of different diverse models on their website and they uh, showcase the products on different body types and you know a lot of it is still geared toward that traditional model of beauty but it's it's going in the right direction and I've seen them change even in the past couple of months that I've been working with them just taking the steps toward building their brand making it better making those improvements and um you know, trying to be a really ethical brand. And I love that. And I have, I have no horse in the race. I just like, all I have to do is post on Instagram once a month for them. And they're like, cool, that's it. And I, I just, I really love them and their products rock and they're sustainable, ethical. It's great. Um, and then Schleza is working really hard to make products that come from science and that, uh, help the horse rather than hinder them. Whereas a lot of traditional saddles, are marketed uh, as marketing ploys. That this saddle fits every horse ever. You never have to change anything because it's pinching the spinal nerve so that the horse stays hollow all the time and never develops back muscles or a top line and goes in a false frame all the time so that the horse horse's back never changes. So you never have to get a new saddle. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever gone to the gym or you've ever worked out, but your body changes when you get fitter and when you get unfit, and so <laughs> if you were to keep wearing, say, the same size shirt, when you get bigger, your shirt is not going to fit as well. And um, we don't really have an equivalent with, um, like, to saddles that horses do. But it's kind of like the more fit you get, imagine that your foot got bigger, and then you keep wearing the same size shoe. It's not good. So, um, God. Remember when people said, don't ramble? I'm supposed to be answering a question here. But yeah, so Instagram is is great in so many regards. It's a great place to get educated and find resources, find a community, find people that you connect with um, to um, be active and share your voice and your story. And, you know, it, it is a really cool community in that way. Uh, and Facebook Facebook is good for SEO. <laughs> That's about it. Search engine optimization. If you're not a computer nerd like I've had to become, I swear to God, I have, if I had a hat, a physical hat for every metaphorical hat that I wear, like that I've learned too much about SEO and coding. I never wanted to know those things in my life. And now I do um, because entrepreneur, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. It's terrible. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. 
Laura Maria dot st said i love my positive reinforcement bubble it's what made me change my horsemanship which is awesome instagram also gave that to me um mostly because i just searched trick training and found adele and then switched to positive reinforcement and completely changed the way that i do literally everything sorry for those terrible noises um leah Land 2020 said, I like that it's becoming a more open and kind thing toward all riders and horses alike. Yeah, I will I will definitely say that I have seen a lot more inclusivity happening, like a lot more diversity among riders in race and ethnicity and size and just a general acceptance of, you know, like man, when I was first coming up, like it was, you better be skinny and white. And that's what an equestrian is. And now, uh, I really am so happy to see that changing because it's, it sets an unrealistic precedent and keeps other people that love horses just as much out of the sport. And, you know, I, I, I know that I talked about this forever ago, when I was discussing uh, BLM, when that movement was at the peak and everybody was posting black squares and calling it activism, um, was the, like, that everyone started out in this sport or in this industry because they loved horses and because they wanted to go online to share their love of horses and be a part of all of it. And, like, the fact that there were other people of different races, ethnicities, and sizes that were just marginalized and like couldn't participate without people saying that they're the wrong color or that they're too big to ride or that they're hurting their horse or that they should be doing something else. You know, like it's so sick that like we, we ever were there and that there were equestrians that weren't able to participate in that or felt wrong in some way for wanting to love horses just as much as the ideal equestrian. And so I, I do agree. And, you know, I said earlier that it all feels very posed and fake and that nobody's like sharing their real things anymore, which they are. There are a ton of people that are, but it feels like we've all kind of caught up on being good at Instagram and taking good pictures, especially as iPhone quality has gone up and camera quality in general has gone up. Uh, but there is that element as well. And I didn't mean to like take away from that with what I said earlier, because I do think that there has been a massive increase in the diversity of what an equestrian looks like and what that means. And that it doesn't just have to be this like silly little prototype that's like in the modeling industry, you know, and even that's changing, but that's another episode. Um, Eck.Trey said, I genuinely feel like I'm not doing enough with my horse fast enough. This is the element that I was talking about with um, it's all post and fake and perfect. And I am right there with you, my dude uh, or girl or human. Like it just is, it always feels like everybody is so ahead of you. And it has made imposter syndrome a very, very real thing for me. And there are so many people that I know that were behind me in terms of training or followers, and they have just like blown me out of the water. Absolutely. In both regards. And 
I'm like, what happened? What did I do? And, uh, you know, or just like not feeling like you're progressing fast enough or that you, you have this, this area that you need to work on and it's not happening, like keeping your heels down or posting better or, um, you know, moving up a level. And it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have anything to say that is not super cliche about it other than it's, it is hard. And the best thing that I can tell you is to do your very best to maintain a sense of perspective that everyone is struggling in one way or another and everyone is excelling in one way or another. And we live in a very um, toxic world. <laughs> we live in a society where, uh, you know, it's it's not, it is becoming more okay, but in kind of a um, PR-esque way of like, it's okay to be not perfect, but you better be perfect while you're doing it, you know, or you better be perfect imperfectly. And it's, it's frustrating and exhausting for everyone. And it is driving people away from the platform. But I do think that, you know, as much as you can, uh, you know, sit down and decide what your goals are, you know, as an equestrian and as an equestrian on social media, like what, what are you wanting from it? Do you want to be a famous equestrian? Um, uh, I know it's easy sitting in my seat to say what I'm about to say, but I would recommend don't, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's like sponsorships and brand deals are cool, but it's still like most of them are highway robbery and won't work with you like regular influencers and brands do because it's the equestrian industry and everything is highway robbery here, highway robbery. Um, but, you know, try to keep that perspective that, everyone has a, you know, a mole on their back (laughs) or uh, a skeleton in the closet. It's, it's something that they're embarrassed about or they're hiding, whether they should be or not. Um, And I, I hope that we can move still towards that more authentic state. I think it comes in waves really like with Instagram and stuff. It, it goes through a cycle where everyone gets really, really perfected and then we all get tired of it. And then we go back to being authentic and raw and it's edgy to like do a photo dump. And then all of a sudden everyone's back to being perfect and it cycles. So, you know, I do hope that it can be a little bit more consistent with the, um, you know, just being yourself and sharing where you're at, honestly. And, you know, if you do have a bigger platform and in my opinion, at least it's very helpful to, hear other people discuss what they're dealing with, not necessarily in a complaint way, but in a like, oh, thank God I'm not the only one kind of way. I I find it really cathartic when I'm discussing something on the podcast or in a caption that I'm struggling with. And I see a lot of people being like, oh my God, I've been struggling with that too. And I'm like, really? Other people are like, actually, like I figured they were, but like to know that people genuinely are struggling in the same area as I am is, is very helpful. Um, okay. So, uh, Allie Meadows said a lot of close minded, uh, that try to fit squares into triangles when it comes to horse training. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that kind of goes for everything. I think you could say that about people that train very, very traditionally the cowboy way, um, that still lay horses down to break them. And also people that do, um, you know, positive reinforcement. It, 
I think that there are two opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think that there is a level of adaptability that you need to have, whether you work within solely traditional or solely within positive reinforcement or you mix. I, I do think that you have to have a lot of nuance and adaptability. That's why like, uh, you know, it, it, I guess it's, it may be annoying or it may be too much with the podcast when I used to do all of the Q and A's answering specific behavioral questions because I would go down every possible avenue and I would talk for three hours because it is it's so hard to answer a question and I think that once people learn something um and it it's worked for them a couple of times they're like okay so it's fact now instead of like no there's still nuance and every horse every rider is different and um you have to be able to adapt and change and like for instance uh once upon a time I think it was last year I was giving a a riding lesson just a basic riding lesson to um a girl locally and her relative that had been training her at the time couldn't like get her to pay attention while she was riding at least she thought pay attention um and when she was going around on the horse, I would be like, okay, cut across the arena or turn left, turn right. And I'm historically very bad at uh, labels. I have dyscalculia, if we want to just label every problem I have. Uh, I'm a psychology student. That's what I do. But so I have, I have trouble with labels uh, to like kind of pictures or other things. Um, so like I have trouble associating the word three with three and I have trouble keeping numbers in my head uh, and doing math. I'm really, really like a god awful at math. It's not my thing. But um, I also have trouble with left and right. I'm very good directionally. Like I, I, I don't drive hardly anywhere with a GPS. I know how to get places all the time, but I don't know the difference between left and right. Um, I just have a good sense of direction. I know what I'm talking about or which way I'm going, but I don't know what the name of it is. So uh I I was kind of like getting that vibe from this kid and I was like, uh, I, what do we, we'll call her Anna. I'd be like, Anna. And she'd look over at me and I'd be like, see the blue barrel. She'd be like, yep. I'd be like, turn this way when you come around next time and, or turn towards the blue barrel, go to the side of the barrel that's closest to the flower box, you know? And she, she could do that. The left and right thing wasn't clicking in her brain. And, um, she she was really good with the spatial orientation, like orienting to an object. And after the lesson, her relative pulled me aside and was like, I can't believe you got her to like turn where you wanted her to or like change gate when at a certain point. I have not been able to do that. I like really couldn't get through to her. And I thought that I, she just was not super smart. And I was like, I was like, well, does she like have any like learning thing going on? And, uh, she was like, yeah, she has ADHD. And I was like, bingo, (laughs) it seems to, to go with it, uh, that there's a little bit of just a disconnect, something like a little learning disability spices in there sometimes. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not intelligent or that you have this massive issue. It just means that you learn differently than other people. And so when most people can handle turn left, turn right, me and her work better off of turn towards this thing, you know, um, or pointing, look at me. Okay. Go that way. (laughs) And that worked really well for her. So, you know, it, it's, it's really important to be adaptable and 
kind of go with the flow in training, even when you're somebody that's rigid like I am. And I like things to be a very certain way. Um, okay, some of these I might keep private just or like the username private just because it's, um, you know, it might be a hot take. But um, one person says here, how patronizing many positive reinforcement trainers can be on here. The God complex is so strong. I agree. And I used to be one. <laughs> so I, I know firsthand precisely how easy it can be to slip into that because it like it's it's really hard. I'll be honest. And I go back and forth a lot. And I've made several different episodes on changing my philosophy on training and what I think about this and what I think about that. And honestly, it's just, it's hard because ethically and in terms of the humane hierarchy, um, most of the stuff that we do in horse training traditionally would not be acceptable in any other discipline or any other work with any other animal, including things like tigers and like it would be considered highly abusive, highly unethical, and it's just very commonplace with horses. And, you know, it comes from a, a long history of horses being a vehicle and a tool instead of a, a pet and a companion or a rescue. So, it, like, just a lot of things from tradition didn't change over when when science did. And so we're still kind of fumbling in the dark. And when you when you first learn about positive reinforcement and learning theory and the ethics of training and like the five freedoms that um, every animal is entitled to, and then you look at horse training and you realize that horse training violates like 90% of the five freedoms <laughs> and um, or horse keeping does as well. And so it's it is really, really hard not to get on your high horse about it. But, you know, I can really only speak from my personal experience. I can't speak for other positive reinforcement trainers other than in saying that I know, because I know most of them, um, it all comes from a place of genuine care and deep, deep, deep love and concern and passion for horses. And so while the execution may be wrong, and I'm not defending whether the execution is uh or that the execution is right. Like, uh, when it, when it is God complexy and self-righteous, it is wrong. Uh, the execution is wrong. The message is likely not. And that is just because you can't change the laws of learning. And yes, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of gray area and a lot of context that needs to be considered. But at the same time, like just a lot of what goes on with horse training is not okay. And so there's a, it's, it's very difficult to discuss things that are going wrong in horse training and call out ethical violations without coming across God complexity or having to provide a caveat for literally everything you say. It's that also gets exhausting. So, you know, I've been on both sides of the argument. I have argued with people that do positive reinforcement and then I became one. And then I argued <laughs> with people that did traditional and now I kind of fall somewhere in the middle and so it's, you know, I think, I think that everyone is just trying to find their way. And yes, positive reinforcement has been around since forever, since Edward Thorndike, which I mean, that was more of the law of effect, but B.F. Skinner. And then Alexander Kurland brought it to the forefront of horse training and then Shauna Karish. 
And, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of people that have worked really hard to bring it to the forefront, but I didn't even start hearing about positive reinforcement until, uh, 2018. And then, uh, you know, I was one of the bigger accounts on Instagram at the time. I had a really big, strong following because I was an inventor and everything that I was doing was really fun and exciting. And then all of a sudden I switched to positive reinforcement and then everyone was like, bye. <laughs> um, and so I, I did get a lot of eyeballs on it at first. And unfortunately, I made a lot of people hate it at first. And a lot of people that I was friends with in the community turned on me. And then we made up when they were like, mm, maybe you weren't entirely wrong, but your execution was bad. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, I think everyone is learning how to communicate with one another on this issue and like how to improve welfare without also like demonizing people that are still training traditionally and having compassion for it and also being like okay let's do like harm reduction here instead of um just full annihilation like uh, a lot of uh, addiction centers do harm reduction instead of just full out you know uh, dry outs and you can't do any of it. So how can we, how can we improve what's already in place and work towards something better together? And so that's, that's more the approach that I've been taking lately instead of the all or nothing, but it's hard because that means you have to allow a lot. And it, when you, when you have learned and you have studied ethology and behavior and calming signals and pain scales and, training and learning and you you know the ethical and welfare mandates that are in place in other countries and then America is just kind of like what's a horse <laughs> that's a piece of property right uh, so I mean it's still a little messy but I do think that eventually uh, there will be more of a, a, a united sort of opinion on things uh, especially looking at other countries uh, like over in the UK I think Germany, I think Germany is one of the strictest about like animal welfare and equine welfare and making sure that you like don't clip your horse's whiskers or their ears or, um, you know, you can't use this type of bit or this equipment. And the U.S. is like, how many ropes and strings can we put on the horse to tie them to their feet? Let's do that. So anyway, um, inescapable false information people referring to non-existent studies to prove their bs dominance theory that's facts is facts there are no uh no valid studies proving dominance theory uh, not in the way that it is typically presented that like there's an alpha and garbage it's frustrating and what i was talking about earlier with tiktok and false info is annoying um Advice to the people that want to be an equestrian influencer, like start a YouTube podcast, etc. Uh, as far as podcast goes, do it. It it's it's so easy, and uh, I know it's kind of a meme now that every dude bro and their grandmother has a podcast. I would like to say that I started it before it was cool, uh, but it uh, I did not start the trend of podcasts. That's for sure, but it um is kind of bloomed to where everyone has one, so you might as well do it and there there aren't so many horse ones right now so if you're down do it <laughs> because it's like now's the time I would recommend 
having a website, a good host, and you can record on your phone. I recorded the very first episode of this podcast on an iPhone 10, I think. So if you want to hear what the quality of the mic sounds like, you can listen. Uh, and then I used the blue snowball for years. It's sitting on my, my shelf over there. And now I'm using a Audio-Technica AT2040 mic, I think. And uh, you, I wouldn't recommend doing all of this as kind of a lot, but the audio quality is so crisp. So I, I think it's worth it. But I wouldn't invest a ton of money until you're like sure that you want to keep doing it because it can get very expensive very quickly. But uh, just using the blue microphone is enough. That's what I did literally up until this year when I, when I came back. Um, as far as a YouTube, you can absolutely shoot on an iPhone. The film quality is perfectly fine. I would use the back camera though. Uh, I can't speak to Android. I have an iPhone, but, um, you can also shoot with like a Canon G7X Mark II. That's what I use. I think they're up to Mark III now, but the G2 is, or yeah, G2, G, G7X Mark II is good enough. Uh, yeah, but, uh, YouTube, YouTube is hard because, uh, like the, the most popular equestrian YouTubers, uh, I, sadly, I used to be one of them and then I bottomed out (laughs) and stopped making content every week. And then my podcast or my channel died and I also stopped competing. So that really killed it. But, um, you know, just making interesting content is good. Make sure that it's quick. If you can't stand to watch your own YouTube video, nobody else probably will, which is a very blunt statement. But if it's like, if you can't sit through it without like needing to be on your phone or do something else, it's probably not going to get views. So just keep it, keep it interesting. Keep it light, keep it fun. Don't ramble unless it's a podcast, in which case ramble, baby ramble. Uh, yeah. So I, I think, I think with YouTube, it's a lot easier like I, I got lucky starting YouTube because I already had a following on Instagram and it converted back in the day. But now like the people that are like mega big on YouTube have like professional film crews. And I don't know why. It's probably just entirely that I'm jealous, but I find it so disappointing. Like maybe I'm just old man shakes fist at cloud constantly, but I really miss the days where everyone was just like filming on their phones, riding bareback in a field, making nonsense videos. And now it's, it's like everything is professional level quality. And if it's not professional level quality, then people don't want to watch it anymore. And I'm not, no tea, no shade to the YouTubers that are successful, like Matt Harnicky and um, this Esme, uh, both fantastic content creators in their own right. Uh, you know, obviously very traditional, very like action entertainment oriented and, um, they do their thing, but it, it, it's working for them. And so that's that, unfortunately that's kind of the competition. And like, I don't, I don't have the budget for a camera that can record like that. And I don't have people that can film for me. And, uh, otherwise I, I probably would be doing that stuff. So if you have access to it, use and abuse, <laughs> just kidding don't abuse but um that is my advice uh how to make many unhappy horses i see with captions like look at x smiling oh hate how many yeah i don't know i see a lot of that uh one of my personal pet peeves is the um concentration face 
uh, fallacy situation. A lot of people will be working with horses that just absolutely have their ears slammed back against their head. Their nostrils are wrinkled. They look very tense and unhappy. And hey, I'm one of them. In a lot of my pictures and videos with Zoe working at Liberty in the beginning, a lot of that going on. Didn't realize that it was super awful, uh, but it's it's it can be due to a myriad of things, and I can talk about that in more depth at another date, but I'm going to try to keep this podcast around an hour and a half, so I won't bore you with that, but um, just casually having my cat rip my headphones out. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, I, I can't can't do that either. It's very frustrating. And um, a lot of people are like, no, seriously, that's his concentration phase. If he wasn't happy, he wouldn't be doing it. Like, and I'm not trying to, to disavow positive reinforcement trainers. Please do not misunderstand. Still very much a positive reinforcement trainer and an advocate for it. But um, I there are quite a few of them that are doing it in a way that is still very traditional in that like, you've just found another way to make the horse do what you want, you know, and the horse is still not like super thrilled about it. And it's, it's like I said, it's a very easy trap to fall into. I've done it. We've all done it. And I think it does take time and learning and practice. And also like nobody likes to think that their horse doesn't enjoy what they're doing. So of course they're going to be defensive about it. That's very understandable. And it just takes time to come around. And it's unfortunate that the horse has to be the one that has to wait on that and is paying for it in the meantime. But to some degree, it's unavoidable. You, the horse is not the one that needs to change. It's the human. And shaming the human usually is not going to produce change. It's usually going to produce defensiveness. I got stuff on my mouth. Um, okay. Being called a snowflake or a TikTok trainer when bringing up legitimate welfare concerns. It, it is. <laughs> it's TikTok. TikTok sucks. That's why I just avoid horse TikTok altogether. And maybe I'm part of the problem because... Um, just not standing up is somewhat permissive compliance but at the same time it makes me very unhappy and I don't enjoy getting into petty arguments with people like that so um I don't know I think that you know if if someone were to bring up a claim the best thing to do is be like source question mark site site source and it better have some references and be peer reviewed to some degree. Um, because 90% of what people say on TikTok is, is just anecdotal evidence and not good and not worth engaging with because every comment, every share, um, things like that, they do boost the engagement and make propel that video into other people's for you pages and stuff. So I just avoid um, I just report animal cruelty and move along. I am a full Karen on TikTok. Uh, okay, I have not posted a video of myself riding because I'm worried about getting judged so many times. I hate to see that. I mean, I talked about this on one of the other comments, but that, like, it just makes me sad because, I mean, like, like I've been saying with my stupid, nostalgic, old man attitude here that I just... I miss the days when it was fun and it was just like, whatever. And I hate that there are so many people coming up in the industry, whether young, old, amateur, new to the sport, new to whatever, that it's just like, man, I don't even want to like touch this because I'm going to get, you know, flamed for it. And so, I mean, 
I, th- I think that you can post and in the caption, you could always say something like, I'm still learning. I'm new to this, but we're rocking it. So take it or leave it. You know, um, I wouldn't like, I'm, I'm very guilty of this myself. The apologizing for my equitation, uh, justifying it. I'm out of shape, whatever. But like, you know, if it's, if you do want to post and you do want to share one, you can always make your account private. So people can, you can like kick them off and they don't have to interact with your stuff anymore. Or two, you can always, um, you know, start small, post pictures of your horse and write comments, captions, do whatever, you know, keep it, keep it chill, keep it in your circumstance. And also something to be said here, you don't have to have a horse account. If you want one, go for it. If you don't want one and you feel like you should have one or you should want to have one, it's the tyranny of shoulds. As Karen Horney would say, it is not anytime you're like, oh, I should. I, as a general rule, I evaluate anytime I think the word should. I'm like, what do I want to do? What do I need to do to survive? And if the should is not in those categories, then we need to reassess. So does it make income like other influencer niches? I think depending on what tier you're in, at one point, I was making pretty decent money on YouTube. Uh, I'm not super weird about talking about money. I don't know if there's like some unwritten rule of why you're not supposed to, other than I was raised in the South and you're just like, as a general rule, not supposed to. But um, like, I think at the height of my YouTube career, when I was getting like 20, 30, 40,000 views a video, um, I was making like $1,000 a month. If that gives you any type of ballpark, it's, it's not a whole lot. Right now, I'm lucky to make $100 a month on YouTube. Um, And then, like, if you do things like Patreon, you do have to do a lot. You know, you have to make it worth people paying for your content, which, by the way, uh, just quick, quick reroute here. And I'm going to try to remember to come back to this. Um, But I finally, if you guys remember, like months ago, I posted a video with Danny working on self-haltering with him. And I said that I was going to do a voiceover tutorial and I was going to post it on YouTube. And now I'm considering making that a patrons only thing and then doing Warwick Schiller type beat and having a video library on, um, it would probably be on my website, but, uh, that's only accessible through Patreon. Um, so you would, you know, subscribe as a Patreon and then have access to a bunch of training tutorial videos and then be able to request videos and be like, I would like to see a video on this. And if I'm able to make it, then I will attempt to add it to the library. Right now, I only have the one (laughs) at the moment. So it would take some time to curate that. But I am hoping that maybe, maybe that's something I can start doing because they're very easy to make. But um, I think they're there's a a line when it comes to like, I have to, I'm very, very prolific with my giving away information for free. And I think that there is some level of like, okay, you, you might have given away everything that you can and you're not making any money and you're putting a lot of time and effort into something that is not sustainable. So I'm trying to constantly weigh those pros and cons. And like, I don't want to just be, you know, making, my chair squeaking really bad, making, you know, everything that I touch a cash cow, but like I have so much free content available. Like you basically have access to 90% of what I do training 
by listening to the the catalog of podcasts that I have. So, I mean, it's like the training videos and me like taking time to do a tutorial and show specific aspects and genuinely walk you through every level of training is like, you could probably pay for that. So that's something that I might be doing um, soon. But um, yeah, like, that was what I was saying about how how tricky it is to make income because you have to be able to basically provide a service. Um, so whether that's entertainment or you're teaching somebody something, you either have to kind of become a coach, a trainer, or um, consultant, or you have to just get famous enough that views pay. And I, I wasn't able to do this one. And I'm still struggling with this one because I'm very busy with being in school and pursuing another career path at the same time because I hate free time. So, uh, you know, it, it's something that you kind of have to decide what you want to do and then focus your energy on it because I think one of my biggest mistakes that has cost me a lot of income and a lot of expenses on stuff that I didn't need to spend money on was just kind of being all over the place. I have ADHD. What are you going to do? And not knowing what I want to do and following the dopamine and then getting tired of it, realizing that it's not sustainable and kind of like making a video element of this podcast. So um, that's why I'm really considering going back to just doing audio only because if I need to take a break, then I can't sit the sync the videos up adequately. It's chaos. But um, yeah, so just just be aware of that. I mean, like you have to have a lot of eyes on you in order to make money from sponsorships, from companies paying you to tell or let the eyes that watch you see their product. Um, you know, so you have to, and, and like being in the equestrian niche, niche, um, a lot of those companies don't want to outright pay you. They'll compensate you with products usually, but, um, and they'll say like, in exchange for advertisement, we'll provide you with free gear. I'm like, no, dude, advertising is worth it. That is like, do you, do you give billboards property? No, you pay for the billboard. <laughs> like that's what an advertisement is. Just because I'm a person and I can receive gifts does not mean that my time and, you know, my viewers eyes aren't worth something. So, um, like I'm all for exchanging goods and services. Like a lot of the brands I work with, I accept product compensation, but we also negotiate terms that I'm comfortable with. And like the Farm and Furco ad that's on this episode, um, they did so much work for me on building my website and, or not building it, but like my design, my logo, my font, my color palette, all of that stuff. Like we exchanged that. So it it's, I don't know. A lot of what I've done with social media has just given me a lot of opportunities and given me access to things, not so much money, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, if you get up in the upper echelon, you know, you can be making a lot of money. I think um, I'm making a massive assumption here, so I could be entirely wrong. But uh, there are some equestrian YouTubers like uh, back in the day, this Esme, she had a very, very small, very humble YouTube channel. And now she's like flying all over the world, riding with different equestrian Olympians and um, has like mega professional film gear and stuff. So, I mean, like it is possible. It's just, 
it's kind of like you've got to get lucky and to be set up for it. And I, I know that uh, I would assume she worked very hard for it. And but like, how often does it happen? How many horse YouTubers are there? And then who are the big ones? So, I mean, you can make it work, but I, it depends on what you want to do really. And, uh, if I, I, all I can say is that if you want to be famous as an equestrian influencer, it's, you're not going to last. Like you have to genuinely be passionate about whatever realm you fall into, whether it's entertaining or teaching or just blogging, writing, writing, um, you know, you, you have to decide why you're doing it because if it's genuinely just a blow up, it's not going to work because like, even like me, I blew up and then I didn't <laughs> and I un unblew and now am very deficient in terms of followers. So, you know, you just, and, and I still, I'm like, now I'm trying to find out what I want to do because the motivation changed from intrinsic something that I really enjoyed to extrinsic I'm getting things and doing things for money and now I'm like what do I want to do I want a podcast <laughs> that's what I want to do I want to talk to people and I enjoy talking I can do it all day so why not and I also love horses and I love learning and so why not help other people with what I learn and talking to them and doing things like that texting and typing not things I'm good at emails not great but everything else, I'm like, I'll talk to you all day long. I just prefer you call me. But I don't want to put my email or my phone number out there. So it's it's a lot. Um, personally, I would say uh, keep it a hobby. And if it works out for you, it works out. Um, but also just kind of be be particular about what you want to do. You know, be specific. Um, <sighs> do, 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 do. I think the last one here, let me... Let me refresh it and then I need to like pick like two more and then be done because I didn't realize I was going to be giving a sermon on every single one but um I love having an outlet to keep a digital journal and learn new things but shit gets stressy when people start making comments or putting others down that's facts I don't have anything to say on that I mean that's what we've all been saying I just I like sharing the opinions um Really bugs me how hard it is to progress without my own horse. Just not an option for me at the moment. Yeah, it's it sucks. I think there there's there exists different definitions of progress. I think you can make a lot of progress on other people's horses with your equitation. Like I haven't been able to ride Zoe since twenty eighteen, early twenty eighteen. I mean I've sat on her a couple times but not really ride her and I think I've made a lot of progress. Um just in focusing on my equitation and riding a variety of different horses that aren't mine. So I do think that you, like, it is hard not to have your own horse, especially in a world where literally everyone in the industry has their own horse, if not two. Um, but it is possible to become a really great catch rider or a really great versatile trainer. And then just think about how much better you'll be when you have your own horse. And a lot of what I tell people that want to get into positive reinforcement when they get their own horse is you are in the perfect position to learn everything right now without having the horse in front of you. 
So you can do all this research and all this learning so you are fully ready to go when you get the horse because there's nothing more frustrating than trying to learn everything about positive reinforcement than getting impatient while you're reading, going and trying it, it not working, coming back, revisiting and being like, I should have read the next page. Now I'm going to go try and then it working and then being like, okay, now I don't know what to do. No, so you have a little bit more time allowed to you. Um, Uh, I'm seeing a lot about like just how awful the hate stuff is and being attacked and yeah it's just it sucks I can't believe a lot of that is still happening like I don't really see that a whole lot and um, it's just not happening on in my neck of the woods anymore but I'm sure it does I mean it's the internet that's literally what it's known for uh, but like, let me put, th- put it this way. <laughs> there is no shame in blocking. I am all for having an open discourse and having a healthy discussion and talking with people that genuinely are trying to help and genuinely want to make a difference and educate. Like, let me, let me use this example and then, then I'll be done. So I posted a video of Wiley, our big 18-hand Appaloosa, reaching over the stall door and biting Rory's withers. And he wasn't, like, biting at him violently. He just had his mouth over Rory's withers. And if if it had been any other horse and I hadn't seen him do this before, I would have been very concerned. And I was still mildly concerned. Um, but I'm always in the habit of taking videos and sending it to my boss because these are her horses. So I'm always, like... If I, I I usually have a hard case in point, hard time explaining things verbally, uh, so it's it, it takes me a while. But with a video, I can just send it to her real quick. And I had seen Wiley do this. If you guys remember, probably not, but there was this mare that we had for like a day named Peanut before we sold her, and uh, she went up to the fence next to him, and he did that, and he was like just massaging her withers. And I know from the Saddle Fit for Life course that the um the muscles on either side of the withers are the trapezius your this muscle and it's the handbrake essentially so like if a stallion were to mount a mare for breeding he bites there to immobilize her and um so when your saddle pinches think about what happens but the he wasn't quite biting right there it was just in front of it and i'm not sure if it immobilizes but um the peanut this happened when we had just turned her out and she's like sprinting around and like oh i haven't been out of a stall i'm a racehorse what do i do whoa and um she came over to his fence line and he reached over the fence and started doing that and her eye just softened softened and she dropped and he wasn't like um you know being violent he just had his mouth on her back and was just like and if i can find a video of it. I might have one. I don't know, but I'll throw it in here. But he, he did it for a while and she just kind of like settled and she had been sprinting around and she just looked very relaxed all of a sudden. And at least from my memory, I haven't seen the video in a while, so maybe not. But, um, I do think she, she settled and she didn't seem to be like uncomfortable or like trying to get away from him. She was just like, Oh, okay. And I, I really think it's Wiley's way of grooming, like, and, um, he, so he was doing it to Rory over the stall door, who's our very young colt. And if I hadn't seen him do it to Peanut, I would have been very, very alarmed. And I was still like, that's a baby. But um, 
Raina, when she was still alive, she was in the stall and she was just munching away. And Raina, you know, she was foundered, so she couldn't really move. She hadn't gotten bad at that point, but she was still always very worried about Rory and like still trying her best. So I I knew gauging with her um, because I had seen her distressed and nervous about other horses before touching her baby and she did not seem concerned at all. And I was like, okay, if you're not concerned, then fine. And then what you don't see in that video is that when Wiley uh, lets go of Rory, Rory turns around and like posts up on him and then Wiley does it again. And then Rory does his little wiggle thing and then Wiley lets go. And then Rory like stood there and then he like licked and chewed. And then he turned after he had like settled and then went right back to biting Wiley and messing with him. And Wiley is a very good uncle when, um, when Raina died and we had a night where Rory didn't have a mom and he was out in their little runout area. He had a stall, but he also had access to the runout because I wanted him to be able to be with other horses as well. Um, they came over on the fence line and all of the boys, all of the geldings hung out on the fence and spent the night with him. Um, from the comments on that video, <laughs> you would think that that was a very bad idea. Um, because every single person commented on that video and was like, geldings kill foals. You need to not. And I was like, what? I, okay. I mean, I guess everybody's had their own experience. I, I did not, I mean, I, I don't think anybody ever would expect their horse to like harm a foal, uh, a gelding, but it, it seems very weird, but it was a very consistent comment. So I guess it happens. But it almost seemed like trolls or bots. It was lots of people from Facebook, I, I realized, because I posted the video on Instagram, but my Facebook and Instagram are linked. Oops, kicked the tripod, my bad. And so uh, apparently the video blew up on Facebook. It has like over 800,000 views, I think, or 700,000 something. Um, and a lot of people were like just of being like, this is horrible. I would have knocked the snot out of the gelding. He needs to be slapped. I would have put a stop to that. I can't believe you stood there and filmed it. And um, I was like, um, okay. So in regards to people making nasty, awful, hateful comments, block them. I, I know that we are all for free speech in this country and the good old USA, but also um, we are for mental health. And if it is like, I, th I do, th I think this is a very nuanced take. So please pay attention to what I'm saying. I don't think it's fine to just block everyone that disagrees with you. I don't think that that's cool. I also don't think it's your duty to listen to people uh, espouse negativity towards you when they have no idea what they're talking about. Because nobody that commented on that video knows Wiley. Nobody knows Rory. Nobody knows that Wiley has done that before. Nobody knows what he is doing. Nobody can read his facial expressions because for some reason, equestrians are like god awful at reading body language. You all need to read the green little book down here, Language, Signs, and Calming Signals of Horses. Um, and like everybody was like, the foal seems unhappy. I was like, he's wiggling. <laughs> That's it. He is, He's mad because he wants to play with Wiley. That's it. He's not mad that Wiley's biting him. He did not run away. It didn't scare him. He was, he just wanted to play. And Wiley was like, ha ha. Basically like the, 
you know, when tall people put their hand on your uh, short person's forehead when they're trying to fight him, that's what Wiley was doing, um, which might be anthropomorphic. I thought he was trying to calm him down and massage him or, or groom him. Those are my hypotheses. But Wiley is still young. He's seven or eight and very playful. And I've seen him do it before. And it's weird. I don't know why he does it. But um, it's not in any of the behavior books that I've read. But um, yeah, so so the people that commented on my video that were like, mm, I mean, I don't know your horse or your situation, but I would be a little bit more hesitant having that go on because I have seen geldings be very violent towards foals. So just be careful. But, you know, I trust that you know the horses. And to those people, I commented back and I was like, thanks for your opinion. Yeah, it's it. I, I get why you would think that. And I wasn't aware that that was a thing that's apparently very pervasive. But um, no, that's just Wiley's thing. He that's what he is doing. And that um, has no malintent. And so I had conversations with those people, the people that were commenting being like, you're the foals in danger. You're terrible. This is awful. I was like, block, leave me alone. I, I, you do not deserve time or an explanation, especially if you didn't read the caption that I edited for those people. So, you know, I, like I said, I don't believe in an echo chamber. I think that that is a terrible way to go through the world. Um, I, I am always open to discussion and new ideas and learning and healthy, productive debates but not just people being belligerent I don't put up with that so um if that's at all helpful little anecdote for you there uh that you know just keep that perspective uh, I think echo chambers are bad but if you're not going to have a civil discourse or you're not trying to be productive or helpful and you're just being hateful and shaming get off my page I don't want to deal with you so you get blocked that's what happens there are consequences to our actions. Yes. Okay. Wow. That, this episode is never going to upload. It's just, it, so if the video portion is late, that's why, because it it's almost a two hour podcast. I didn't even think I could go this long anymore, but I have got to go. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please don't forget to take the survey and the captions and the show notes. And uh, yeah, check out the site if you are so inclined. I don't feel like plugging anything else. But I just really appreciate you guys listening to me talk. Hopefully this episode was interesting covering all things <laughs> social media. And um, yeah, thank you guys that shared your opinions on Instagram. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye!